There is nothing more foundational for a follower of Christ than the greatest commandment. Jesus clearly stated to those who were curious that loving God and loving others were foundational to the life as a believer. We as believers can love God through worship, the studying of His Word, and our walk with Christ. We can love others through seeing, serving, and sharing with them. So let us build on the firm foundation of Christ as we love God, love others, and advance His kingdom. Good morning. That's pretty good for an 11 o'clock crowd. It's good to see you guys today. I'm glad that you're here with us in worship. I got a friend with me today, Grace Lyons. Grace, uh, originally from Arizona, but you probably know her by recognition as the shortstop for the University of Oklahoma back-to-back national champion softball team. So, yeah. I've, I've had the privilege of getting to know Grace through, um, just through some mutual friends, well, teammates of hers that I got to know about a year ago and uh, been able to watch Grace from a distance. And, and thinking about this sermon series and closing out this time about uh, loving others by sharing with them, uh, I thought about Grace and what I know about her and what she's doing on the college campus there in Norman about making disciples, that it'd just be good. So I messaged her and asked her if she wanted to come speak. We, we made sure it worked with the schedule, and it did, and so she's here today. And so, Grace, we know you're from Arizona. We knew you grew up, uh, or I know that you grew up, they don't know, in a Christian home. Uh, but some, you told me somewhere around the eighth and ninth grade year that you came to faith in Jesus Christ, like your parents' faith became your own faith, where you believed it. Kind of walk us through kind of how that happened. Yeah, it was about that time when um, I realized that I didn't have that personal relationship with Jesus. I had grown up in this household that taught me amazing things and um, went to church. And um, now when I think about it, you know, I, I would think that my testimony is boring, but it's not. And I think that that part of my story has an important, um, important part of my life because I was able to realize that I wanted to, to have a relationship with Jesus personally, apart from my family. Um, and that's where kind of growing up, doing the good things, doing the right things turned into an understanding of why I was doing those things. And it was the Lord um, giving me opportunities to glorify him with how I lived my life. And that's kind of how my mindset changed um, about that freshman year of high school. No, that's good. So um, after you came to faith, uh, in the Lord, outside of your parents' influence in your life uh, from a spiritual perspective, was there people who came alongside you, discipled you, taught you how to walk, walk uh, in line with the Lord and live out your faith? One of uh, the biggest impacts in my life came from um, a lady who worked for FCA, and I got involved in FCA my freshman year of high school, um, but she kind of took me under her wing um, in eighth grade, kind of when I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go to high school, because in Arizona we had options. It's bigger. Uh, we have a lot of options to go to high school, so I was figuring that out, and she really challenged me to um, kind of go all in with my faith, and that was a step that I needed to take, um, and that's kind of where it became my own, but she really challenged me to start reading the Bible and understanding what it said, not just reading it to learn, but to, to read, to learn about God and to know who he was and have that relationship. So we started with one verse, uh, reading one verse and understanding what that meant. 
and then that turned into understanding how to read a chapter. And then from reading a chapter, then it went to going and explaining to my friends and teammates what I had read, and um, that kind of has turned into my passion of going and telling others what I'm learning, um, what God's doing in my life, so that I can have that influence on them. And then another um, major impact was my high school coach, okay. who my freshman year of high school really challenged me to take steps that were uncomfortable and I didn't want to do, and that was in the form of prayer. And I was terrified to even pray out loud. I didn't <clears throat> want to say the wrong thing. I didn't know what to say, but she really pushed me um, to pray with my team and take that step in my faith, and that turned into me praying with the other team, um, our team inviting the other team to come pray. And then now on the college campus, we're doing that um, at the college level, inviting other college teams to do that. And it's cool to look back to see kind of where that came from and just how I gained that confidence. No, that's good. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's important. There's people out here that are maybe coaches or have influence in other people's lives. And like, you just never know what's going to come from walking along some, somebody. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Now tell everybody how you got from Arizona to Norman. Uh, I know the rules have changed a little bit in recruiting, but kind of walk them through that process and, and how you even landed in Norman, maybe some uh, not even in your own control and knowing what was going to be the end result. Yeah, so back in 2014, the rules were a little different to where colleges could reach out to eighth graders asking them to come to their college, not knowing what they wanted to get their degree in. I had no idea where I wanted to go to school, what I wanted to do, but I did notice something different about OU um, and just the coaches, how they were very family oriented. They wanted that culture, um, good morals, good values in their team, but I really didn't notice that faith part, um, being an eighth grader, still figuring out my own faith. I didn't notice that in them and um, you know, my parents helped guide me through that, but it's so cool to see that God God's will um, made a way for me to go to a place where I could live out my faith boldly when I didn't know that I could do that in eighth grade. I didn't mm -hmm. see that. Um, and it's just cool to see how he um, has guided me and allowed me to do that and grow in my faith, to be able to have the platform I do now um, to be successful, but beyond that, to have the influence um, to fans, coaches, teammates, everyone. Yeah, that's good. So in Norman, and your time that you've been there, uh, you have one year of eligibility left. This will be your last season. As you've went through the process of being a college student, being a student athlete, as you've gone, as the Great Commission says, go, and that's the idea of as you're going, how have you been about sharing the gospel with people as you've interacted with them? I've learned that um, in order to be able to share and have power in my words for the Lord to use the words, I need to build that relationship first. And relationships are super important to me to where I'm able to talk to my teammates and create that core foundation um, to where then those conversations about the gospel and about what makes me different can happen. And um, it's cool to see that uh, I went into college um, with a different mindset. And this was all because of my mentor who really challenged me to do this. And my mindset was, I want to go into this college culture um, with a mindset of influencing them rather than be influenced by the college culture. Um, because in college, there's so many things that are pulling for my attention, distracting us, um, temptations in college. Um, and it's something that she really put on my heart to do. And yes, it might have been lonely. It might have been difficult, challenging. But um, from freshman year until now my fifth year, I'm so thankful that I had that mindset because um, I was able to stick to um, you know, the core foundation like we just sang about in Christ to where nothing would waver. And um, I think a lot of it goes with how we act. And I wanted to 
be different. And I, I think of this goes back to in First Peter, um, they kind of reference an Old Testament um, passage in Isaiah where God says, be holy because I am holy. And I love that because um, to be holy, uh, God puts his spirit in us so that we have the power to be holy like he is. And I think it's cool because as our actions um, go forward, I want to be able to have actions that are like Christ. Mm -hmm. And whether it's how I speak in the locker room, how I talk to teammates, how um, I make decisions, I want those to be um, a resemblance of Christ. So that's kind of how I've been able to have an influence on my team in college. No, it's good. I think it's so important that relationships, then sharing the gospel, but then your life has to match what you're preaching, right? And so uh, I think that's really good. Now, when it comes to disciple making, the Great Commission talks about going and making disciples and making disciples about seeing them baptized and then seeing and then teaching them the commands of the Lord. How have you walked alongside maybe even some teammates or other people where uh, they know the Lord, uh, but you've, you've helped them grow in their faith. And what are some of the things you're doing to make disciples? And, and particularly, if you don't mind sharing about what you've been doing with the Players Conference at some point in that answer. Yeah, so. I think it's so important to bring Jesus into our conversations. And that's something that, you know, with that mindset of influence, then I want to be able to, in conversations with friends and teammates, I want them to know that I'm a safe spot to talk about Jesus. And I'm going to talk about Jesus because that's my life. And um, whether it's Bible studies that we've been able to have to where it's a safe place for people to come and read together, learn together, and pray together, that's one big component that we've been able to have. Um, and then just also, just be able to go to church together. Um, I know as a team, we love going to church together so we can talk about messages throughout the week. And it's something that um, I know in, in high school, it's sometimes hard to go to church, but at college, making that a priority is so important. Um, mm -hmm. Making sure that we are at um, Sunday morning church together, um, fellowshipping together, that's huge. And um, just, I'm very passionate about influencing others and, and using what God's done in my life through the successes, the failures, the slip-ups. Mm -hmm. And I wanna encourage and spur on those who are passionate about it as well. And I actually started this Players Conference, which is um, a gathering of uh, college softball players, sports specific in one location to where there, there can be people from Kansas, Arizona, California schools, all coming together in one location and this summer was the second year of that and I was able to uh, just gather these people together and equip them with just different tools to go back on their own campuses and have influence and it's been so cool to see how God's used that in the softball world to bring Jesus to the sport yeah so again making disciples teaching people equipping them and then sending them back out I think that's really good now in all of this uh, I think the Great Commission which they're about to hear a sermon on it so um, is about Jesus has all authority, and he promises his presence. As you've walked through this journey of being faithful to be a Great Commission believer, how have you seen God's power and presence in your life? I think a lot of people could see championships and say, oh, God was with them to get them to the, to the championship. But beyond any of that, it was the stories that came out of um, those years. And, you know, I've been here four years. This is my fifth, so I've been on a lot of uh, high intensity games or lows or we lose games, but um, throughout all of that, 
there's usually a theme that our team kind of rallies around throughout the year, um, no matter what happens, the outcomes. And this last year, it was the get out of the boat theme, which was super cool. Um, comes from the gospels when um, Jesus challenges the disciples to get out of the water, um, Peter specifically, to get out of the water and walk on it despite the rain and the wind um, and the storm that came and to fix their eyes on Jesus. And it's cool that as a team, we were able to understand that no matter what's happening, um, we fix our eyes on Jesus, then um, he's going to give us this freedom to play softball. And I think our team, um, the freedom that we play in, me specifically, the freedom that I can have while I play, that's God's presence in my life, in my sport. And uh, also another cool thing was um, after we won this last year, instead of playing We Are the Champions um, on the speakers, they played one of our favorite songs, Nobody, by uh, Casting Crown and we were able to sing to it. Um, and one of my favorite lines is, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. And as, if that's our anthem, not we are the champions, it takes the, the spotlight off of us and onto who was able to, to get us there, but more importantly, who's able to allow us to play this game um, with joy and with freedom. And it's just so cool to, to sit back and hear that and to know that people are encouraged by that, but also us on the field, that's, how, that's why we play. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool um, that softball's allowed me to do that here in college. I think it's unique, the, the freedom we have when we live under God's authority and we live in his presence and how I, I really appreciate the emphasis that you made. Church, I, I hope that you've been encouraged by Grace's testimony of faithfully living uh, you know, in an honoring way of the Lord by being a disciple maker. And so we're gonna pray for her. Uh, then after the service is over, she'll be hanging down here in front. Her mom, Erin, flew in last night and is here today, too. And so, uh, but we're just thankful for their presence. She'll be here to greet you after the service is over. But if you'll join me, let's pray for Grace and her continued work on campus there in Norman. Father, we thank you for Grace. We thank you for her life. We thank you for her testimony. Thanks that she was willing and able to come and share with us. And, and uh, we pray for her continued work uh, there on the OU campus and the influence that she has on the softball team, and, and not just the influence there, but on so many softball players from around the nation. And uh, God, we pray you continue to give her courage and boldness to be a disciple maker, to be a difference maker. God, we thank you for the lessons that we can even pick up from her testimony of how it encourages us as believers in our own walk to look around to the people on our life and see who we're building relationships with and how we can influence them for the gospel but then also that we make sure that our life matches what we're preaching so that we can be set apart and that they can understand what it means to trust you as Lord and Savior and what that means to actually follow you. And God, we pray now as we open up your word, we pray uh, that your word being living and active would meet us exactly where we are today. But that, Father, that we won't leave the same person. We'll leave tra transformed people because that's what your word does in the, in the hearts of us. And so, God, I pray that this morning we will not only be challenged and equipped, but we'll also be encouraged through your word. And God, thank you for allowing us to gather together today. Be glorified from everything that takes place in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, if you haven't figured out what we're talking about, we're in Matthew chapter 28. And uh, I don't know about you, but anytime I hear testimonies of faithful believers, whether it's in settings like this or sharing a meal with somebody and God across the table is, or they're sitting across the table speaking about how God's at work in their life, it, it, there's a sense of spurring uh, me on, like it encourages me 
in my own faith to say, how can I faithfully practice this? And, and that was my prayer and hope, uh, and, and I believe graces too, was to come and to spur you on in your walk with the Lord. I wanna say this though, if we're to be really honest with ourselves, sometimes we fall short of carrying out the Great Commission, I think for a couple of reasons. I think the first is, is that um, we're fearful. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I've been in situations where I, I got up the courage to share the gospel with somebody and it like backfired on me. Like, it was not good. They were mean to me and not kind and kind of wrote me off. And it makes it harder the next time to share the gospel because that, play, that scenario plays over and over in your head like this is gonna happen again. I think another reason why we struggle to be Great Commission people consistently in our life is because we're busy. I don't, <clears throat> we're so busy in today's world, it's crazy. I mean, a normal statement that we make now is, hey, how you doing? It's like, I'm pretty busy, right? Or something along those lines. We're so busy moving from point A to point B that sometimes we miss the people that God is intersecting into our life. And we miss the opportunity to share the gospel with them or to make disciples. And then finally, I think the other reason is, is um, we feel a little bit inadequate. Maybe uh, we weren't discipled or nobody came alongside us to teach us how to follow Jesus. And so we don't know how to do that in somebody else's life. And so it kind of keeps us in this uh, position of like, well, I have to let somebody else take care of that because I don't know what to do or I don't know how to do that. And, and with this in mind, um, I think about the Great Commission that really, if we'll trust in the two promises that Jesus gives, right, that he has all authority and, he, and he's with us always, we walk in his presence, then we can carry out this command with confidence. When I, when I look out at you all and I think about myself, God wants to use you to carry out his mission. He, he doesn't need us to carry out the mission, he's God. But he's, he's, he's picked you as a believer to carry out this mission and that's where we pick up the disciples because we, and let's read it in verses 16 through 20 and then we'll, we'll walk through it. It says this, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee and to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When I think about these 11 disciples in verse 16, they find themselves on the mountain, which if you read the Gospel of Matthew, you'll know that mountains is kind of used multiple times in his Gospel, from the temptation when Satan took Jesus, or Jesus and Satan were on top of the mountain overlooking everything, you got the Sermon on the Mount, that idea there. You got the transfiguration that takes place on the mountaintop. And then here, you have the disciples with Jesus on a mountaintop. And on this mountaintop, a couple things are happening. Jesus is commissioning them. He's giving them some final instructions that this is the most important thing that you're to do. But if we look at verse 16 it tell, and 17, it tells us how, they, how they're responding to this situation before he gives them this commission. There are some who worshiped him, or actually it says they worshiped him, but then some doubted. Now listen to this. When they worshiped him, it was the right practice. 
It was acceptable. Jesus received their worship as the risen Savior. But it says that some doubted, and we wonder sometimes why, some, why the disciples would doubt. I mean, you would think to yourself, Jesus Christ, who you witnessed dying on the cross, is standing in front of you alive, yet why are you doubting? If I'm to put it in a context today, I would say this. If Jesus walked into this room today, I wonder how many of us would recognize him, for that matter. And two, I wonder how many of us would say the same things that the disciples would say. I can't believe the risen Savior is standing in front of me. Now, they might have been doubting because... They, they're doubting that is worshiping Jesus right. I mean, their idea of God alone and Jesus as man and this idea of coming. But I really think the doubt here speaks to the hesitation that there was just a little bit of like, wow, I cannot believe this has happened. And so as, as this happens, we understand this, that Jesus then speaks to them in verse 18, which comes with one of the first of our four points is this, is that we share with others under God's authority because this is what Jesus does. He speaks into their doubt. And as Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I, there is some freedom that comes from living under God's authority. We, we've talked about this the last several weeks in different ways, but that when we live within the, the boundaries that God has set up, we can live freely right? We, we can walk freely because we know where this boundary line is at and where that boundary line is at, and so we just live freely here. These guys may be doubting Jesus in this moment. He speaks to them and says, listen, I have all authority. Now, authority was the theme again in Matthew's gospel. As he was convincing people of Jesus' messiahship, he's telling them that Jesus has authority over demons, and he has authority to forgive sins, and he's got authority to judge, But here, this word all, all authority, signifies a new level of authority. It is this. It is an all-embracing authority that he has authority over heaven and earth, in the heavens and on earth. Here we see God the Father handing his son, Jesus Christ, all authority. He's now the King of kings and and the Lord of lords. His life is the authority under which this life, God's new life, can begin to flourish. And if you and I are into this, came into this room and we're not sure that Jesus is who he says he is, let this be an encouragement to your soul this morning that Jesus has all authority. And when we live under his authority, we can live freely and we can share the gospel under his authority. We can share with people because he is the God in heaven and on earth. And number two tells us that we share share with others as we go. If you keep looking here, it says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. In verse 19, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Listen, this is our purpose and plan as believers. There's nothing that I'll share here today that'll, uh, that, is, that you've not heard in a Sunday school class or uh, in a previous sermon or in a Bible study. But it's just simply to remind us that our calling is to make disciples. And we make disciples by going. And listen, you and I go every day. We wake up and we move throughout a rhythm of our day and every single day God puts people in the intersects of our life and we meet them 
And this is a part of going, because this isn't just a one-time go, this is an ongoing occurrence, that as we're going, and listen, there has to be movement to our mission. And I'm not talking about a movement from sitting to standing in a worship service, or from moving from the worship center to your, your Sunday school class, or from your bed to the kitchen table to read your Bible in the morning. We're talking about a movement of mission like this that you're to leave these, these doors of this church and you're to walk into the world that he's called you to live and you are to share the gospel as you go. Listen, grace ends up from Arizona to Norman because that's what God desires. Some of you all are in here and you don't even know how you got to Shawnee. But he has you here for a purpose and for a reason and that is to share the gospel with people. And as we walk through the daily life, we are given opportunities to be disciple makers. Sinclair Ferguson would say this, being the church is doing evangelism. Listen, there's gotta be a movement in Shawnee and Meeker and Maud and Tecumseh and Ada and Chandler and Seminole and Dale and Bethel and Earlsboro, Hera, Norman and beyond. There's gotta be a movement a movement of people who respond in obedience to the commission that God gave those, that Jesus gave those disciples on the mountaintop that exists to you and I today, that we've got to move. And as we move through our life, we've got to engage the people that he puts in our ways because we never know if our invitation to invite them into our life and to share the gospel with them can change their eternity or that we'll be raising up the next person who will influence hundreds or millions of people for the sake of Jesus' name. But listen, you and I can make excuses sometimes for this work, and I'm as guilty as, as anybody else of you know, coming up with things that keep me from sharing the gospel with people whether it's a calendar or, or uh, we gotta be someplace or I don't really wanna talk to anybody today because I've been around people all day. Right, we got these excuses, so I ask you this question, what are the things in your life that are keeping you from going throughout your day and sharing the gospel? Listen, you're going throughout your day, but what are the things that are keeping you from sharing the gospel with people? And I get it, the workplace probably isn't the most warm and welcoming place to share the gospel with people, but it's where God's put you. And so how, do you, how does that happen? Listen, I'm not a surfer, as you can tell, I'm, I, don't have, I don't look like a surfer, um, but I was invited to surf one time. I was invited, I was on a mission trip to Santa Cruz, California, uh, Pacific Ocean, it's a beautiful place. I, a friend of mine says, hey, you wanna go surf? And I'm like, hey, this sounds like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I don't have any idea what I'm doing, but let's go. Then he said, okay, well, we gotta meet in the morning. We'll, we'll go do it before we get started with the day. And I was like, whoa, in the morning? What time in the morning? And he, he's listed like a five o'clock time in the morning. And I was like, wait, it's dark. So you want me to put on a wetsuit and get in the Pacific Ocean in the dark? Now, if you know anything about me in the short time I've been here, I'm scared of the dark. So I'm not about to put on a wetsuit and look like a seal in an ocean that there are known sharks. So I... I did, not, I did not go surfing. I've never been surfing and probably never will unless I go in the daylight. But here's what I know about this. I, I came across this illustration of surfing and it's this. 
Real surfers have a certain lingo they use when they know someone claims to be a surfer, but they really do not surf. In fact, they call them land sharks. Land sharks are basically posers. And I'll say this strong word to us today. If we claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but we do not practice the Great Commission personally, then we are land sharks. And I don't think any believer in the room who's truly been transformed by the gospel wants to be seen as a poser. But when you claim the salvation of Jesus but refuse to share that with other people, that is exactly what you are. Because people who are transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, it churns in their soul so much they want to make sure that other people know it. And you're sitting in this room, church, today because somebody, Jesus got a hold of somebody and that somebody told you about Jesus and then they taught you how to follow Jesus and you're in here today. And as we go, we've got to make sure that we don't let the excuses of life keep us from carrying out the very thing that Jesus has called us to do. And why do we go? Because all nations, look at this, nations is plural, meaning peoples or ethnic groups, literally every tribe, language, people, and nation. God has used this very passage to call people out of comfortable seats like you're setting in and to go to mission places and places where it's hard to share the gospel. And he'll continue to do that from this very passage and from his word. He'll stir in the hearts of people to say, I'm calling you to go to a place you've never been to share the gospel because they need Jesus. But I also want to be clear here too that the word that is, is being passed in this place is this idea that you as a believer are to duplicate yourself where you live today. This isn't a pass to somebody to be like, well, that's how God calls somebody to missions. No, it's a call to you to duplicate yourself as a believer today in the life of somebody else. And when you do this, then you're carrying out the Great Commission. Here's the other crazy part about the nations. The nations are coming to us. There are people living in this city that if we share the gospel with, have connections all over this world. But we've got to be in a place to see them and intersect our lives with them and spend time with them so that we can be passionate about this Jesus that we claim to know who sets us apart so that they can know them so that they in turn will share that with somebody else. One of the most beautiful strategies for church growth that ever existed was the Great Commission. That Jesus and God the Father knew that the best way to advance the gospel forward was that if you, if he could save your life and it transformed your life and you pass it on to somebody else and then that gets passed on and that gets passed on and hence why we're sitting in this room today because that very work has happened. And you're a part of that work. Don't lose sight of that. That no matter who you are or what your gifts or talents are, he wants you to be a part of that kingdom work. Listen, it's a monumental task to hear this morning. We've got to take the gospel to all nations. But listen, if you will just do your job in carrying out the Great Commission, every single day, church, We'll, we'll accomplish it. But too many of us claim the salvation of Jesus, but we don't want to do the work of following him. 
And we've got, we've got to be able to do both. It takes us to number three. We share with others as we make disciples. Listen, that whole part was just about going, like just you moving and seeing your daily rhythms as a way to make disciples. But we share with others as we make disciples, literally baptizing and teaching them. Craig Blomberg in his commentary said this, the verb make disciples also commands a kind of evangelism that doesn't stop after someone makes a profession of faith. The truly subordinate participles in verse 19 explain what making disciples involves, baptizing them and teaching them obedience to all of Jesus' commandments. The first of these will be a once-for-all decisive initiation into Christian community. The second, however, proves to be a lifelong task. Listen, making disciples is more than a five-minute conversation. It is about living life with people. It's about stepping into their life and walking alongside them. And listen, we want to see them baptized, and I'll, I'll, I'll go on a quick tangent here of this idea. Sometimes we're great when somebody prays to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but we never talk with them about the next steps of their faith. We're, we're, we're concerned about, yes, they, made, they said yes to Jesus, but then we don't teach them about taking steps of obedience. Listen, if a child, if a baby never takes its first steps, right? A toddler never takes its first steps, it can't walk. And if baptism is given as an instruction in this commission that we have to walk alongside people and teach them how to walk in obedience, that there comes a place where you will be baptized, baptized to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, baptized to publicly declare the inward transformation that's taken place in your life. And there probably are people in this room that you said yes to Jesus, but you haven't walked in obedience through, through baptism. Listen, we can fix that. But my prayer as your pastor is that every week this baptistry will be full of water because people will be being baptized because lives are being changed by the gospel. And people are learning what it means to walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. And then we're to teach them. Listen, being a Christ follower means your lifestyle is a little bit different from the rest of the world. And I, I appreciate Grace alluding to that in her testimony that it's not just about sharing the gospel with people and then teaching them how to walk with Jesus. They have to see that fleshed out in your life. You, you've got to be, you've got to live what you're preaching. This is something that I have to remind myself of often because it's easy to sit down with somebody and say, well, why don't we open up our Bibles and why don't we do this? And then in my mind, I'm like, I haven't been practicing that myself. Because we've got to live set apart, but then there's this idea of teaching. Listen, God's word is sufficient. It's sufficient. It doesn't need our help. It covers topics like God and man and life, death, religion, happiness, sadness, wealth, poverty, time, money, heaven, hell, righteousness, unrighteousness. It's good enough on its own. It doesn't, Jesus isn't calling us to teach our own ideas to people. He's calling us to give them the commands of Scripture. And so we need to teach them what the Bible says. Are there people in your life right now that you're teaching and developing and helping them grow in their relationship with Christ? Listen, I believe we all need people who are teaching us and helping us grow in our walk with the Lord. And then I also believe we should all have somebody that we're teaching and helping grow in the walk with the Lord. And so I asked that question this morning because 
I want you to think about who am I discipling? Or ask the question, am I being discipled? As Stuart Weber would say in his commentary, by fulfilling the portion of the, this teaching portion of the Great Commission, we take believers at every stage of spiritual maturity to the next stage of growth. This can range from the infancy of a brand new believer to various levels of spiritual adulthood. Every believer should progress toward the perfect character of Christ. This is what discipleship is. That when we walk along somebody, we're just moving them one step closer to Jesus. And as long as I'm one step ahead of you, then we can continue to keep the discipleship process in play. And this is what we want to see happen. But when we fail to teach the commands of Christ to people, we fail to carry out the Great Commission. And it takes us to the final point, that we share with others the presence of God. Listen, when you share, when you go and make disciples, Jesus promised us, if we see here in verse 20, I am with you always to the end of the age. I was told a joke this morning. I haven't shared in any other service, so it's coming out now. But I was told a joke this morning about a little boy was asked who he wanted, what biblical character he wanted to be, and he said, I want to be low. And they said, why do you want to be low? And he said, because it says, low, I am with you always, so I want to always be with him. So, right? So, but don't you and I, as believers, deeply desire to be with God? Jesus, and that when we walk in his presence and we live under his authority, he gives us courage, he gives us strength, he gives us wisdom, he guides and directs us to carry out these commands of go and make disciples. I want you to think about this. One day, none of us will be in this room because our life on this earth will be over or God will move us on to something else. But there will still be people sitting in this room. And here's my question for you today. How do those people get into this room? It comes from you being faithful to carry out the Great Commission and passing on the gospel message and teaching others how to follow Jesus. I'll close with this, and then I'll give you some application points when we'll be done. I was with an OBU student last week, and he was talking about being at home with his uh, home church, and that there was something uh, in one of the students' lives that he was in the youth group. He knew, like, he just needed a little bit of push in his walk with the Lord. So he, he decided, hey, I'm going to walk alongside him and say, hey, can we just read this Bible, this part of the Bible together? And he said, this is what happened. He started reading the Bible together and he realized that if he just gave this guy a push, he was gonna start reading his Bible. So he starts reading his Bible. Then all of a sudden he started seeing that this guy was starting to be lit up. Like as he was reading God's word, it was doing work inside of him. And I share that with you to say this. Who's in your life that God's calling you to walk alongside with that your discipleship in their life and the power of Christ working inside of them may light them up in such a way that in two or three years from now, they're doing the same thing in the life of another person. 
Alvin Reed would say this, and this is how I'll close. These will be on the screen for you. He said, the vision of your life doesn't start with you. It starts with the God who created you. When you grasp the greatness of God's story and the gospel story changes you, only then are you ready to live the life you were created to live. That's the big why of life that you and I were created to know and glorify God. And only through the work of Jesus for our salvation can we bring glory to him. Sharing Christ is a vital part of that journey and he gave five principles that we can live a life of witness on. And they are this, number one, focus your life on the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we go back to the beginning of this series, the very first sermon was about loving God with our worship. The ver- and we love God with our worship in view of God's mercy. Every day we need to focus our life upon the mercy of God in our life and out of response to that mercy we can carry out the great commission. Because Jesus saved you who was an enemy and separated from him and made you as a son and daughter in his kingdom. And when we live in response to that we'll carry out the great commission. We focus our life on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, We understand these factors help your personal evangelism and discipleship. Giftedness, calling, and deep satisfaction. What are you gifted at? What are your talents? What are the things you're passionate about? Listen, Grace has been gifted in the the sport of softball, but she's figured out how to use softball as as a way to continue to advance the gospel. He's gifted you in your work He's gifted you with passions and desires. Use those to advance the gospel. Find inroads to connect with people so that you can continue to make disciples. Number three, identify people in your circles of influence whom you already, who you already know do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Or those in your life that you can walk alongside and help them follow Jesus. They need discipleship. Number four, I think this is important because accountability keeps us grounded. Do you have people who are, you are walking this journey with, right? Assess your evangelism and discipleship plans with accountability partners and mentors. Listen, you won't do it unless you're coming. I haven't been to the gym since I showed up here in Shawnee. Why? Because the people that are keeping me accountable live in Oklahoma City. They don't show up to the gym in Shawnee, right? So we've got to change. We need to surround ourselves with people who will keep us moving forward. We need that in our lives to say, are you carrying out the Great Commission? Are you doing what God's called you to do? And then finally, which I think is the most important, is that we pray daily for our witness. We pray daily for those whom we'll share the gospel with. And we'll pray for those we are discipling. Let's pray together with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We'll sing an invitation song just like we've done. We'll sing the full song this time.